From between the hedges at Sanford Stadium to the practice fields, from Stegman Coliseum and wherever else the Bulldogs are playing, it's time to talk Georgia sports. From the Athens Banner Herald, here are your hosts, Mark Weiser and Ryan Dennis. Welcome back to the Bulldogs Extra Podcast, where we will talk about the two-time defending national champion Georgia Bulldogs and how they completed a 15-0 season with a butt-kicking of TCU at SoFi Stadium outside of Los Angeles. I was there in person in a rain-soaked Inglewood, California, while not really rainy inside so much, but certainly outside. Ryan was back home chronicling the build-up and excitement about the game and then writing uh, in the aftermath. Ryan, 65 to 7 in person seemed mind numbing. How was it watching on TV? I mean, the exact same. I, you know, I was texting with a lot of people throughout that game. And, you know, when, when Georgia went up, what was it, 17 7, then 24 7, I think the moment was just so big for TCU. You just felt like Georgia was in plenty of control and, and running away with the game, which ultimately happened. And, I mean, we hadn't seen a butt, like, uh, butt kicking like that. Ever, right? I mean, it's the largest margin of victory in, quote, unquote, a bowl game ever. And the, to think that that happened in the national championship game, I mean, what a what an ultimate climax for this team to to get to that point and leave no doubt. It was uh, it was something to watch. Yeah, especially when they when they just got by on the skin of their teeth, kind of, uh, as I, right. I guess that's the phrase, you know, getting. You know what that, you know what that reminded me of, Mark, though? And, and I think I saw it somewhere else, but I was definitely thinking, you know, Georgia in what 2012 with the heartbreaking uh, pass that ended up at the five yard line against Alabama, and you knew the winner of that game was going to go on and and pretty much demolish Notre Dame. And for all the heartbreak that Georgia fans had after that Alabama SEC championship game in 2012, I mean it reminded me a lot of that. So it's kind of a way to get all of that, you know, all those demons <laughs> kind of out of the way after. After a decade of that heartbreak, it kind of reminded me of that. Yeah, but I didn't know the TCU. I mean, they just beat a very, very good Michigan team the week, you know, 10 days before or whatever. So, you know, I certainly saw the uh, possibility of, of a Georgia lopsided victory, but I never thought, you know, the score like that. And I mean, you know, I agree. On this, yeah. on this stage, it was just unheard of. And and Georgia, you know, to, to finish like that uh, this season, um, certainly will be remembered in a quite different way than the uh, that tight Alabama game in that special fourth quarter there. Georgia, 589 total yards of offense. And obviously, you take Stetson Bennett out of the game, you know, it was it like 13 minutes left in the game? I mean, that thing could have been more, I guess, touchdown and field goal, and they led to 10-7 to early. From there, eight of the nine next possessions ended with a touchdown. Uh, Stetson Bennett, the fourth, 18-25, 304 yards, Four touchdowns, not sacked once, no interceptions, three carries, 39 yards, two touchdowns, two national titles, MVP of the Orange Bowl, MVP of the Peach Bowl, two national championship game MVPs. Ryan, I am not a build the statue guy for anyone, but I know that you wrote a column saying one should be built for him uh, and Kirby. Go ahead and uh, expand on that. I mean, how do you chronicle the – the past two years and, and what they mean in Georgia history. I mean, you, you've got a legendary story here of Stetson Bennett. You've got what Kirby has built 
And I think we can all picture Kirby with his arm around Stetson Bennett, you know, giving him some feedback, giving him critiquing, you know, telling him he did good, telling me he did bad. But all of it has led to two national titles. And, you know, I heard some some buzz, and I was thinking this, you know, way back early in the season. Like, if, if this team won two national titles, being led by Stetson Bennett, I mean, you've got to do something for Stetson. But then you also got to do something for Kirby, right? So instead of two statues for for two guys to memorialize or whatever, to honor what they've done for this program, I mean, I just think it would be so cool to have Kirby with his, you know, arm around Stetson, kind of, you know, the way that he would talk in his ear, but have the two guys, you know, with a big smile on their face, like the end of the journey almost. I think that'd be perfect. It'd be cool if it got some traction. It seemed like got a lot of good feedback from uh, from our readers and our listeners. So. If we could, uh, if we can make that happen, that would uh, that'd be pretty cool. I, I can't think of any other way, you know, any better way to to really define what these past two years have been and the legacy that these two guys have made. And you know, hopefully for for Stetson, he gets an opportunity at the next level, and Kirby just keeps building on what he's built. And who knows how many more there will be? But this is definitely the start of what could have, you know, could be the Georgia dynasty. And I think that'd be perfect to have somewhere. In, in Sanford Stadium. Do we do we know the reasons, Mark? I was asked this question by a reader of, of why Georgia doesn't, you know, have maybe a Herschel Walker statue or, you know, a, a David Pollock something somewhere. You know, they got the the statue of, of Vince Dooley on South Campus there, but that's really all they got. Uh, and, and somebody was asking why there's not more, and I didn't have the answer. I don't know. I don't know the exact answer for that. I mean – I'm not certain. Uh, Herschel, does he have a degree from Georgia? I don't know if that's kind of a, that's a good a, point. Yeah, I know that's the circle of honor uh, requirements, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I think so. But uh, yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, his number is clearly retired. Well, maybe that's it. Maybe you retire at Stetson Bennett's number, right? There's four guys there. But they kind of stopped doing that, right? After uh, a- after Herschel's was kind of why? Why was that stopped? I don't know. That's I guess that's the question we we need to look into. Uh, but you know, you think about uh, what David Pollock, right? Nobody's done what he did. Uh, yeah, well, here's all American. His number's nowhere uh, on the on the, the wall or whatever. Here's it, like part of the reason I'm not like big on the statues is you know how many statues have been taken down in recent years. Um, you know, start you know Paterno in the college football stage. You know that obviously for off field stuff, but. Um, you know, here's what I'll say about coupling Kirby with Stetson. Uh, Kirby's got two national titles now. He's 47 years old. By the time he's 65, how many national titles might he have if he stays at Georgia? And why, you know, his legacy will be a lot more than just Stetson if he ends up with seven, eight, nine national titles. I mean, I'm not saying he's going to get that many, but uh, that's just going to be part of his story. You know what I mean? Right. But this is a start of that story. And Stetson got him to that you know, to, to what could be the start of that dynasty. And I just think, and, you know, Georgia fans forever are going to remember Stetson and, and, and Kirby and, and and what they did to really, really get this train a rolling. Well, let me ask you this question, because I wrote about this on my Tuesday morning newsletter. I, I do do a newsletter uh, twice a week, Tuesday and Friday, hit your in, email inbox. Um, if not, uh, if you don't subscribe to that, I believe you can find it on our website and maybe Ryan, He's got uh, a no busy day ahead, but maybe he can find the link and put in our show notes uh, to how to subscribe to the newsletter. I think we have a, or you could Google it maybe. But my point is this, um, 
you know, I wasn't going to write a newsletter at uh, <laughs> whatever time that was when I was done working on uh, late Monday night. I mean, I went to bed late because I came back to the hotel. I wanted to get away from the storms that were going on, um, traveling back, and the, the roads were waterlogged. And then I wrote a, a, another uh, story about what the scene was in the Georgia locker room. But I wrote for the newsletter uh, prior to the game uh, – the five most memorable seasons since I've covered Georgia. And you talk about this being the start. Uh, I didn't know how this uh, game would end, but I assumed it would be a Georgia win. But when I ranked the teams and I've covered, been covering Georgia since uh, early Rick days, um, my first season in terms of most memorable was 2017. Uh, number two was 2021. Number two, number three was 2022. Now, in retrospect, now, would I flip 2022 and 2021? I don't know. I have to think more about it. But 17, they didn't win a national title. But year two, going to L.A. and going to the Rose Bowl, I thought that was kind of laying the groundwork for where we are today. Um, well, who 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 was the guy playing Baker Makefield? Way yeah, back no, no, I really right? no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that in terms of, um, you know, uh, why you shouldn't build a statue of those two. What I'm saying is that, like, and I'll, I'll pose that question to you. What, what do you, what is your most memorable seasons under Kirby? To me, it's still 17. That was so improbable, um, you know, in year two, coming off an eight and five season to, to have a chance to win the national title and basically almost winning it until that second and 26. Um, that stood out more to me, maybe because it was the first time. Then in 2021, you know, kind of been there before with Georgia, different team, much, much better, um, you know, 15 draft picks. And then this year was, even though preseason number three, didn't necessarily think they were going to repeat. Do you put one of these two seasons that we just had at Georgia ahead of 17 in your mind? No, I I agree with you on that. I mean, I think that that 17 season, and I think for a lot of Georgia fans too with – the trips they had to make, right? You had to go to Notre Dame. You you went out to the Rose Bowl. You, yeah, you know. I, I don't even know if I mentioned Notre Dame in, in that. I mean, it wasn't a long write-up about each season, but, yeah, that was that was part of what made that special, right? Right, yeah. I mean, I, and it had that feel like we might have the guy to lead us to the promised land here at the University of Georgia. And, you know, even though as heartbreaking I know as that finale was on <clears throat> second 26 against Alabama, uh, it it did feel like it was a very special season and and the start of something and and I think you're right it you know and, and I got to thinking about this year compared to last year I don't know that this team is better than last year I say they're not better than last year's team but something was was definitely special in the fact that they could put together a 15 and 0 season you know it it almost seems like man even when Kirby loses 15 guys to the draft and how many first rounders. Six, seven first round draft picks last year, whatever it was. Five, five. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the fact that he could turn around and do this with a lot of new faces on defense, true freshman at defensive back, you know, a uh, whole new linebacking core. I mean, that was, he really does have something, something built here. And, um, yeah, I, I, I still think 2017 is, is the number one memorable season. You're right. But, Close behind is this 2022 team. It was it was pretty special. Uh, 2021 had a better defense. 2022 had a better offense. Um, that's kind of the distinction. You agree with those statements? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. And, and and you know, with with what Stetson did this year, you know, when you got Brock Bowers and and what he was doing, and uh, I mean, there was no slowing down this. You know, a stat I saw the other day, and I've never seen this stat. Uh, I don't believe, but somebody 
posted on Twitter that of the total number of yards that Georgia could have gained in the game, they got 88% of those yards. Isn't that incredible? So, you know, if wherever they took over possession, if they could have gotten and scored a touchdown, that's 100% of yards. Well, yeah, I mean, you punted once. Exactly. And you, you, Did they have one field goal? Is that right? Yeah, you're right. You kicked a field goal. It was 24 yards, so you're almost in the end zone already. But I never thought about that stat, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. how incredible is that? I mean, I, I would imagine a normal game is 35% maybe, 40%. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah, yeah, they got 88% of their yards. And give Todd Munkin credit, right? I mean, you know, you wrote about how he and Kirby, uh, you know, I think it was leading into the Peach Bowl, have been such a right. great marriage. And, right. I mean, guys thinking about where Georgia was yeah. <laughs> before they got him. Golly, I mean, he's he's a creative guy and gets the ball where it needs to be. And we saw that the other day with um, the big game that, that Brock Bowers had. I you mean, know, it's interesting. I, I spoke to um... – a uh, cornerback on TCU uh, on the Saturday before the game, uh, not the not the Thorpe Award winner, the guy on the other side, uh, Josh. Um, what's his name? I'm looking up uh, Josh Newton. <laughs> he had an interesting thing to say to me, which was like, you know, we know they're going to come out and and the first 15 plays are going to be tough because it's going to be scripted and you know, but then they got to then they got to go ahead and and play do what they do. They got to run their plays, meaning that you know you can be creative, um, you know, but then you then you're going to lean on the stuff that that is your bread and butter. But I would say, and it, obviously they they were fine beyond 15 plays. Um, you know, Georgia has not had to dig deep in their playbook in a lot of games. You felt like Todd Munkin was, uh, he had more stuff that he could call on at the biggest moments. And, um, you know, in this game, I don't know if that was necessarily the case. I need to go back and, and rewatch it, which I haven't had a chance to do yet. Um, but there was just a certain talent differential that, you know, some matchup issues, you know, with Brock Bowers in particular, they, they couldn't guard that dude. Um, so, uh, you know, I think uh, part of the deal is you, you just roll out your guys and you play super hard, and this is the result. Um, and there is the fear factor, I think, to a certain extent of TCU against Georgia. But I think with Munkin, I mean, I think if there was a head coaching job at a Power Five, you know, major school that would entice him, sure. An NFL coordinator job, I don't know if anymore. I mean, he's making two million plus. He's 57-ish. I don't know exactly his age. Um, and he's got – this is his offense. He's not getting any meddling from Kirby, really. Right. So I think he's in a good place, and Georgia fans should be thrilled. It looks like he'll be back for a fourth year. You know, things can change. Uh, but, you know, he's he's a – they're not going to build a statue for Todd Munkin, but I think Georgia fans wouldn't mind if they did. I think I should write a column. Build, build the Munkin statue. Hey, and you know what? I mean, what might intrigue him is all that Georgia has coming back. You know, obviously you got to – Replace Stetson Bennett, and you know, and I guess that they'll have a battle in the spring for the for the next quarterback. Even though it looks like Carson Beck has the edge there, but I mean, you got Lad coming back, you got um, AD right coming back. Again, yeah, I'm. It's too early for me to do that. Like, I'm going to vote. I I did write to a certain extent in my uh, next day story, you know, about you know, is Georgia. Is this a budding dynasty? And I mentioned uh, certain guys that seem to be coming back, but like, you know, in the transfer portal age, I mean, who knows? We can assume a lot of guys are coming back and and I think that they will. But... Well, we know two guys definitely they're adding to it. And I'm not saying this as, no, a, no, I realize that, as yeah. a look ahead. I'm just saying why Todd Munkin would be 
yeah. you know, licking his chops to come back to Georgia. Right. Um, you had two of, of the be- best receivers in the SEC, too, to that mix. So Yeah. Speaking of Stetson, um, he was not at the uh, Tuesday morning uh, press conference in Los Angeles. Uh, I, I mean, that got a good laugh, right? I mean, everybody had to chuckle. Yeah, but it was interesting because somebody uh, – I saw somebody – it was on my timeline – during the news conference that he had talked to Scott Van Pelt the day before. Of I actually watched that. Yeah. Oh, you watched it. Okay. Well, you yeah. could, you could have texted me and told me what he said then, which was, yeah. I, I, I Googled up and found the uh, Scott Van Pelt interview. And, the, mm-hmm. and early in the interview, uh, Stetson Bennett said, I told Georgia that once the whistle ends, I'm done with my media obligations. Now he wasn't really done. Cause he went and sat with Kirby and, uh, um, Javon Bullard for a half hour on their news conference. But then I guess he came back on the field and did the Scott Van Pelt interview because it looked pretty cleared out except for some stragglers. Um, and he he uh, he said that. So I guess he was true to his word because uh, <laughs> I don't know if it uh, took him a while for Georgia to get the message because the way uh, Brock Bowers told it, he was on his way to breakfast and they grabbed him and said, hey, we need you for this press conference. And so uh, that's why he wasn't there. Now, I did get a chance to catch up with Stetson a little bit yesterday as he uh, – took advantage of his uh, celebrity and did another raising canes deal uh, on Baxter street. Uh, he spoke to the reporters there for about five minutes. Didn't, didn't have much to say. Uh, actually somebody, uh, uh, the reporter from WSB uh, TV, she asked him, why were you a no show on, on Tuesday? And his uh, marketing guy said, ah, next question, next question. Ah, <laughs> has a marketing guy. Go ahead. I was going to say the guy he has probably made over a million dollars in NIL deals so far, you know, I guess, I guess it's not an NIL deal anymore because he's no longer a college student, but he was on a tight 90 minute schedule, which I guess is what they paid for. Uh, and they maximized that. We speculated what, you know, what, what does raising canes throw at him to come do that? I wonder any, any guess whatsoever. I mean, no, I, I don't know the answer to that. Probably, um, probably a free a free uh, finger mill. A free what? A <laughs> free chicken finger mill. He's a he's a fan of the uh, what's it called the Caniac. Uh, are you familiar with that? Yeah, I mean, I, I it's been a while since I've been to Canes. You can't get near the place ever, but and I know yesterday was a madhouse, but yeah, there were like three hundred people um in line, and and then they had um you know the drive through was backed up um. I, yeah, that's got to be the worst place in town for traffic. It's either that or the Dunkin' Donuts on the east side. If you're trying to, uh, you know, drive past there, people. Hey, well, you know, you know well, what I thought about? Here's a, here's a public message for all you people that wait at the Dunkin' Donuts on the east side, uh, in line where it's backed up um, onto Cedar Shoals, uh, <laughs> and then to the traffic light. Just pull your car in and walk in the place and get your donuts inside. Okay, it's no. not that hard. PSA from uh, from Mark Weiser. You know what I thought about though about the post uh, or the the morning after press conference. I mean, you think Kirby would have something to be like? You know, he kind of embarrassed us last year with with being a little bit uh, how should we say drunk on Good Morning America. You know, you think Kirby might have just been like, hey, let's just uh, let's say that he 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 doesn't want to do the obligation, so let's bring in Brock Bowers. Mm, I don't think so, but I mean, I'm not going to say that he was uh, heavily intoxicated. You know, Kirby. I mean, he has his, he has his finger on everything, you know, on every pulse. So I can see him being like, "Let's just uh, let's go to the bullpen on this one." Speaking of Kirby, we talked about the statue. Um, oh, by the way, let's speaking of of raising canes. This is not what they serve there, I guess. But uh, your thoughts on uh, players eating some wings during the game? Uh, did you see the video of the clip of that? Oh yeah, I saw it. 
Now, are you outraged by that, or is this uh, when it's uh, fifty-nine to seven? Are you okay with um, guys having a little fun? I mean, I'm not outraged at it. I don't think it's the best look, to be quite <laughs> honest with you. But did you see the whole video? I think it was Kendall Milton went over to some fans standing yeah. there, and and they handed him a plate of wings. I mean, I, I think it's a bad look. I think it's kind of uh, insulting to TCU to do that, and I don't know that Kirby would approve. I mean, I don't know when we're going to get a chance to talk to Kirby uh, in any kind of press conference setting, um, maybe in February at signing day, although I don't know how many they're going to add, so I don't even know. If, you know I think the first day of spring practice is your best bet. Yeah, I, I do need to ask him that sometimes. <clears throat> It'll be amusing to see his answers. Uh, mm-hmm. He'll probably be like, you know, I've moved on from that or something. But um, it, how about, uh, look, I, Kirby Smart, two national titles in seven seasons. I think that ties in with what Dabo Sweeney has two, and then obviously the GOAT, Nick Saban, with like <laughs> seven. Um, speaking of Dabo, he just hired Garrett Riley, TCU's offensive coordinator. I guess they're going to announce it today, but there's a lot of reports yesterday. Uh, they fired Brandon Streeter, who was a former mm-hmm. quarterback there. Um, and Dabo is not much to um, change coordinators yeah. or fire staff members. I guess he did with the current Florida coach back in the day when he was on staff there as coordinator. Um, but how many more national titles? I, I pose this question. I think I, I tweeted this out when I was waiting on my plane on Wednesday morning to fly home. And by the way, picked a great day to fly home because that was the day the, uh, <laughs> the they shut down flights until 9 a.m. Eastern time because of some air traffic control, uh, what was it, software man, man, uh, you know, issue. And yeah. luckily uh, it wasn't too much of a delay i mean i flew through houston and had to wait there an extra hour or something but i know i tweeted out um basically asking fans you know if georgia doesn't win another national title in the next 10 years are you okay because they've just gotten back to back or do you feel like they just need to be in the mix or basically like are you worried that georgia's something happened with their recruiting like they forgot to pay their light uh, electricity bill or something i don't know but um how many more national titles do you think georgia will win in the next 10 years under assuming that Kirby Smart is here during then. And, look, I don't know if um, the Falcons will need a coach in five years in Walker or something. I don't know. But um, I'm going to say in the three to five range. Could be more. Could be more, but that's that's where I'm going to put it at. I mean, obviously this is tough every year, right? But, I mean, you look at this team, next year's a possibility. The way they recruit, every year's a possibility. So you would think that, yeah, three, three, I think, is is a good number. I mean, as long as – as Kirby's in place. Um, but again, I mean, you look at Alabama, I mean, they're standard every year and it's, you know, it's hard for, for them to stay up there at that very top level. And, uh, you know, while they're competing for it every single year, it seems like, you know, you have a game where you lose by a point and it uh, kind of messes you up. Uh, you know, what if Georgia would have lost at Missouri this year? Who would ever thought they'd have lost to Missouri, but it almost happened. And if that game happens, you know, uh, every couple of years or so, you're out of it. So I would well, say, I would say that uh, I don't know about that because don't forget it. The year after next, we're going to a 12 team playoff. So Georgia is going to be in the playoff every year. I mean, well, then I mean, the, the, but then that makes it even harder if you ask me, right? You're not right, at four teams, right. but you have what two extra chances now right. to lose. And right. I guess well, you get a you get a buy if you're a top four team, and then. You know, I guess they're going to do it where you have to win your conference to be one of those four teams. Is that right? Uh, yes. So I think that's accurate. Um, look, 
I'm not saying they're going to be in there every year. I mean, there might be an outlier year where they somehow don't make the playoff. I mean, you're going to have Oklahoma and you're going to have Texas on your schedule, uh, you know, or in the mix of being on your schedule uh, in the next couple of years um, or three. I don't know exactly. I guess 2024 is still, uh, you know, they're working on that. But, um, yeah, it might be harder to win a playoff. Um, you, you know, you're going to have to win more games. Uh, so we'll see. Let's, let's uh, talk about. Brock Bowers, uh, we, we mentioned him a little bit. Do we need to take a break or just keep rolling on? Oh, uh, yeah, keep rolling on. We're talking national championship. All right. That dude's a beast. Uh, seven mm. for 152 yards on seven targets. Every ball they threw his way, he caught. Um, he can't go to the NFL. He's only a sophomore. But if he could, he would be a top 15 pick, I think. Can he go Maurice Claret on it? And... Did did that ever <laughs> actually go to trial or anything? I don't know. No, do we have, sue him sue or something? I don't know. But I mean, look, Brock's going to make a lot of money this year, isn't he? I mean, um, yeah. I mean, is he the is he the new face of the program now after Stetson's gone? And he's still uh, he's a Zaxby's guy, right? Doesn't he? Doesn't he have yeah, a he is, he is today, but you know, if Raising Cane's ups the ante, who knows? <laughs> yeah, you're right. Uh, I mean, that dude is. Uh, I mean, your quarterback's always going to be your face of your your program, and I know Georgia's transitioning, but I mean, I, I don't think there's any lack of respect. For, for Brock Bowers. I mean, everybody knows what a what a beast he is. And I mean they talked about that during the during the national championship game, I think. Is it's amazing. This guy has one more year left in college to to you know overpower overpower other uh teams. And uh yeah, I think I think he'd be a top five to ten pick, to be honest. I mean, I always think about Kyle Pitts, right? What was he number four overall? Now looking back, was that a Maybe you know a little bit too high for that guy. I don't know, but I mean, with with all Brock can do for you, and I mean, even giving him a speed sweep. How many how many tight ends are getting speed sweeps? Not many, and he's just so athletic and gifted at everything. It's uh, I think I think he could be a top ten pick right now. Lad McConkey, two touchdown catches. Um, you know, was fighting through the the knee injuries. I guess um, be interesting to see if somebody any of these guys need any kind of offseason surgery that, that knocks them out for the spring um five catches for 88 yards in the game undervalued still in my mind um and you get him back as well he's not going anywhere exactly all right ad mitchell 22 yard touchdown won it in every playoff game as a bulldog that's pretty good mm-hmm. now can he, can he stay healthy and and get more out of him in 2023 Oh yeah, I mean, I you you hope so. And same with Aaron Smith, right? I mean, that's a game changer who's been injured his whole time at Georgia. So, you know, with with those two guys, I mean, uh, I think he realized in the playoffs what what AD means to this team, and and uh, you know, it was terrible to have him out for what eleven games this year. I think it was he missed. Yeah. All right, uh, a couple other quick things, and uh, we got to take a quick break. I think we're running a little bit low on our uh, platform here. We have a little time limit, I guess. I don't know. Uh, hey, let's give a little props on the way out uh, of his Georgia career to, to Christopher Smith. Chris Smith, I guess, he goes by mostly. Big force fumble in that game. I could kind of see it from the press box through the binoculars that he was working to punch out that ball. And, uh, I mean, kind of a rock-solid career that maybe – on certain levels, he didn't get as much shine as like Akili Ringo with the pick six and that kind of thing. But I think he's a guy that's going to be mixed, missed that uh, was just solid day in and day out. Yeah. You know, he actually, I think when you look back, has left with some, with some big highlights on his, on his reel though. You think oh, yeah, last year to Clemson, you think about yeah. the LSU yeah. block field goal. 
uh, you know, a couple interceptions uh, in the SEC championship, or he had a late interception in the SEC championship. I mean, I think he's going to be remembered well and, and fondly by, by Georgia. All right, a defensive lineman. Um, let's talk about them for a quick second. Five sacks for Georgia overall in this game. Uh, and to see guys like Michael Williams, Bear, Bear Alexander, and Jalen Walker, uh, I guess Walker's more of a linebacker, though, right? Uh, well, he, although maybe he was doing more rush end stuff uh, with, you know, losing Nolan Smith. I don't know. Anyway, um, that's very promising. Those guys are going to be uh, some signature headliners coming up. Michael Williams, in particular, is a very impressive dude. Um, you know, started the first game at Georgia, and, uh, you know, this is uh, you're losing guys. We'll talk about that in, in a minute, but these guys are kind of building blocks. I mean, that's exactly what. Kirby's been trying to do right. You you get these guys, and uh, I mean, he he refers to what they used to do at Alabama, and I know that's uh, you know it's going to always be the comparison there. But you know, you got five stars doing special teams type of stuff, and then when it's their turn, they're you know they show up. And I know those are young guys that are that are freshmen getting in the mix, and and you can even look at offense with what uh, Branson Robinson you know was able to do at times this year. I mean, future looks bright in a lot of ways. All right, let's take a quick quick break, and then we'll uh, touch on some NFL departures, some transfers, and a little bit of basketball. Thanks for listening to the Bulldogs Extra Podcast. Like what you hear? Subscribe today wherever you get your podcast. Give us a rating, a like, and even leave us a comment to let us know how we're doing. As always, find more content at onlineathens.com and in the Athens Banner Herald. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, welcome back. Unfortunately for Georgia fans, uh, the last games of a few uh, notable Bulldogs uh, have come and gone as uh, there have been, as expected, some NFL uh, announcements this week for guys who are declaring. Uh, none of them, I would say, are in the surprise range. They were all expected. Jalen Carter wasted very little time. I think it was a couple hours after the game. He had his uh, graphic ready to go to announce that he was uh, gone to the NFL. Top five overall pick. No surprise there. Uh, Keely Ringo said after the game that he was probably gone and had a big smile when I, big smile when I asked him about it. I don't know if he told somebody else that he was definitely gone. I, I didn't catch everybody's uh, stuff on that, but um, with me, he didn't say it definitively, but he did put out yesterday uh, his announcement that he was gone. Um, and, you know, Ringo has been kind of viewed as a, as a first round type talent, you know, exactly what you want in terms of measurables and, and very good speed. Um, you know, I think there's probably some questions by some folks that watched a lot of Georgia football about, you know, is he definitely kind of a lockdown NFL type corner? Um, you know, some plays where he didn't look as good as, as, uh, as that type of guy, but I mean, that's the kind of position where you're going to have your ups and downs. And then Darnell Washington, uh, who looked like an NFL guy, probably the day he walked on campus, uh, also announced yesterday that he's gone. And Kirby said on Tuesday at the morning after press conference that he came to Georgia, you know, entirely ready, not ready, but uh, focused on being an NFL guy. And he already was talking in the past tense, Kirby, without saying that he's gone. But so I, I presume then, uh, well, I, I, you know, it was kind of a, a no brainer that he would be gone. So um, thoughts on each and how big a loss is it? Uh, Any jump out at you as most uh, uh, hard, hard to replace? You know, 
We'll start with Darnell because I got a chance to talk to him on the record and off the record at the uh, Peach Bowl media day. And, I mean, you could just see that uh, he had this this big smile on his face when talking about the NFL and, you know, I, I guess exactly what Kirby said. He's, he seems like a guy that, you know, he, he came here with that in mind. And, uh, you know, he, he went into details of how important it would be for him. You know, he, he talked about he's got a couple kids, you know, and, and a family and, um would really like to you know make that make all this pay off for, for them and you know we kind of talked about that more you know off the record but you know he, he's just a good guy family guy as far as Keeley goes um yeah I mean he had some some struggles here and there but I think what a lot of teams salivate over at the NFL level is the way he played against the high-powered Tennessee offense and uh, you know, was able to to shut that down pretty well. And we all knew Jalen was going. I mean, when you're a top three pick, uh, there was little doubt. I mean, he could announce that during the game while eating chicken wings with everybody, right? I mean, everybody knew he was gone. But, um, you know, again, Georgia, maybe maybe they'll hurt a little bit more at cornerback, especially with the recent departure of uh, the uh, the five-star, who the Jaheim uh, announced that he's going into portal. And that doesn't mean he's gone, I guess, but – uh, not a position that you'd want to lose to the portal right now, but um, I feel up front on the defensive line, like we talked about earlier with Bear Alexander and some of those other guys, uh, Georgia's in pretty good position there. Still to hear from Cedric Van Pran Granger, um, you know, I think he, that could go either way. And uh, the deadline to to declare, I think, is uh, end of the day Monday, perhaps. Um, I think that's what it is. Um, and then there, you know, there's always somebody that, that pops up that you don't necessarily think might go. So, you know, wait and see on that. Um, in terms of transfers, you mentioned Jaheim Singletary, five-star star cornerback. He uh, officially announced he was going in the portal uh, late yesterday. Eric Gilbert. Doesn't mean they're gone yet. We saw that out of who, uh, who was it last year, Mims? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think these are necessarily the same situations. Um, Mims was kind of, you know, the timing of his was different because it like was right in the middle of spring ball. Yeah. Um, like, I think we've, you know, since we lasted our podcast, Gilbert, Eric Gilbert was, I think that was way before then. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they lose another tight end, Rylan Goaty, um, you know, kind of a deep reserve, uh, but guy that, you know, I think he, he hosted that podcast with, uh, um, the offensive lineman Tate Rattledge. Tate Rattledge. So, you know, I did the story last week on um, a, a young kid who had battled leukemia, and one of his, uh, I guess, friends uh, on the team was, was Rylan Goaty. Uh, so, I'm sure the the youngster will be a little bummed out by that. But I thought Rylan, if you saw his uh, Twitter message, was very sincere for the University of Georgia and his love for it. But I think with the, the depth that Georgia has uh, built there. And we saw Oscar Delt, you know, get playing time over, over Goaty that he's looking for an opportunity. So. Yeah, and, and Brett Scyther also uh, in the transfer portal, yeah. um, another tight end. Uh, Georgia has uh, two guys coming in and, and are working a third, I believe for this class as well. So, um, you know, Todd Hartley, Todd Hartley recruits that position well. And, um, you know, those those two guys. Uh, well, actually, all three. You can include Gilbert in there. None of those guys really uh, had significant playing time this year. Um, you know, with a clear one, two, three pecking order ahead of them. 
you mentioned a quarterback. Uh, looks like there will be three competing this ring with Carson Beck, who is the clear leader, Brock Vandegrift, and Gunnar Stockton. Um, you know, whether there would be three to also be there in August for preseason practices, uh, I think you might see one of those guys, you know, look elsewhere after they have a better sense uh, through spring ball of kind of what their role might be and, you know, where they stand. But uh, who knows? I mean, you might you might see all three stick around. I don't know. I mean, that would be kind of a total outlier in this day and age. Um, but, um, you know, Beck came in in the uh, fourth quarter and, and closed it out for Georgia, and he's had the opportunity to be the number two guy. Um, so, you know, Stockton's gotten a lot of praise on his scout team worthiness. And, and Ron, you've known Vandegrift through his high school days and, you know, maybe this will be his opportunity in the spring to to show more to the coaches. Yeah, yeah, it's, it'll be interesting to see. And uh, you know, Brock Vandergrift, five star quarterback. I think Carson Beck was a, was a high four star. That seems so funny. You went down there years ago. It seems like now to to talk to him when he was in high school and just a guy that has stuck it out. And you know, a guy you want to. I think as a Georgia fan, you kind of pull for for the way he has stuck it out. And, um, you know, maybe it's his time, but I think that'll be, I mean, obviously the number one thing we'll watch in the spring is who wins that job. It should be exciting. I mean, is there a 15% chance that Georgia would go to the transfer portal, um, you know, after spring ball and pull someone else out? I mean, you know, they, they say that they like all three of these guys, but I mean, what else would you say? But, you know, uh, I mean, you know, it's doubtful, but uh, you know, you can't roll anything out these days. Yeah, you're right. And I mean, who who would thought that a three star transfer would come back from a junior college and lead them to two national championships? Wait, wait, did Stetson get another star at junior college? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> was he a two star? I don't know. I, I think <laughs> on some sites he wasn't even even. Yeah. Right. All right, before we get out, a little basketball. Georgia two and one in the SEC on the men's side and uh, goes to zero and four Ole Miss on Saturday, and then play a bad Kentucky team at in Lexington on Tuesday. Kentucky lost at home to South Carolina uh, in the last. It was the last game or the game before. I think it was the last game. Um, this is an opportunity for Georgia to uh, get pick up some W's. Now, you know, winning on the road is not easy. Maybe they can uh, get one of these or two of these. I mean, anytime you can win or or you know have a chance to win it, Kentucky is is a big moment. And I'll, I'll admit right here on the podcast, I think I think we were or I was maybe all of us were a little wrong about the Mike White hire. I mean, I know it's early, but. Uh, you know, I was a little skeptical when they hired him. I mean, you, you basically have hired a guy that Florida wanted out. Uh, but man, this team really fights for him. They play hard, they play a lot of defense, and uh, you know, I don't know if this team's gonna make the NCAA tournament, but I think when they went down to Florida the other day, all you can ask was for them to keep it close and and play hard and give them a good game, and that's certainly what they did. And they got another win against Mississippi State, so. He's got him fighting. I think that's all you can ask for as a Georgia basketball fan. Uh, women's team lost to uh, what was a, it? a very oh, good Ole Miss team. Yeah, yeah very very good Ole Miss team uh, last night, and they're going to go to uh, Texas A and M now to face a uh, Joni Taylor coach team that's having a rough year. Yeah, they're not good. <laughs> uh, last thing, we got a parade on Saturday, uh, a little celebration at Sanford Stadium. I heard Josh Brooks on the radio this morning saying because of the. Uh, closed uh part of the stadium for construction uh for their renovation it's going to be like fifty-eight thousand ish something like that instead of obviously what a, a full packed house would look like uh any predictions uh will uh, somebody 
uh, reveal their shirt and show like the yeah. Well, we don't have the Braves to the uh, Falcons. celebrate will, as well. Will they be or Hawks? Hawks or Falcons? Maybe. What do you think? I mean, neither one right now are too too uh, any have done anything to celebrate really. So. I don't know. Maybe there's something special. I mean, who's the guy on this team that's as lovable as Jordan Davis that, that would do something like that? Stetson, I guess. Well, Warren Brinson likes to um, kind of mug it up for the cameras. With, uh, yeah. He hadn't, he hadn't earned status to do something like that. Um, well, Brock Bowers is not that guy. Kenny McIntosh. I need to make mention of Kenny McIntosh. He loves some camera, doesn't he? Or being behind the camera. He was a, an incredibly giddy mood after this championship, which makes sense. But so he held court outside the locker room. They had uh, like four or five guys in their own little tables. And uh, he had his big hat on, you know, the big Georgia hat. Oh, cap. Yeah. And he had this lit cigar the entire time. And that dude was like, he was, uh, he was a lot of fun to, to, to hang out with. I didn't spend as much time with him because I was in the locker room for most of the time. But when the locker room got closed down, I went out there and, and Kenny was still holding court and uh, he was loving life. Um, so, Hey, now speaking of Kenny, now I lose I lose track of everything. He's gone after oh, this year. Yeah, he's going to the Senior Bowl. Going to the Senior Bowl. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah he's gone. Uh, all right, everyone, enjoy your uh, celebration of the Bulldogs. And uh, Ryan, do you want to make mention of how they might be able to get the uh, the uh, posters of the Athens Banner Heralds Championship Editions or uh, the commemorative book that we have coming out as well? Well, the first place I'd send everybody is to our website at onlineathens.com. You can order papers, order your posters, and order the book all from there. But if you're in Athens, uh, I believe you can go to our office. We'll have plenty of papers and posters. And and our office has moved now. We're down to 2005 South Millage Avenue. So swing by our office there. Uh, we sold at the, at the at our old office uh, last week, but we will we will not be there anymore. So. Um, but yeah, pick up all your collector's items and, uh, hang them on your wall. It'll look good. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you next time. See ya. Bye.